Perverted. Brought to you by Sputnik Africa. Hey everyone, this is your Afro Verdict host Victor Anakin and today we'll be discussing diamonds. Forget glitter and glamour because the global diamond trade is facing a harsh reality check. In this episode, we dig beneath the surface of the G7 sanctions against Russian diamonds, uncovering the tremors they're sending throughout the entire industry. So on one side stand two major players, Botswana's Okavango Diamond Company and the industry behemoth De Beers from South Africa. Both are raising red flags, warning of unintended consequences that could leave African producers bruised and the ethical landscape clouded. So what is this story? The G7's aim is pretty clear. Cripple Russia's financial muscle by targeting its lucrative diamond exports. But like a poorly aimed throw, the sanctions might also hit innocent bystanders. Here's the crux. Could these measures inadvertently inflate prices for ethical African diamonds, making them less competitive? Imagine now a scenario where consumers already facing economic pressures turn away from ethically sourced stones, thus creating a ripple effect that hurts African economies and communities. Well, this episode dives deep into the complexities of the situation. We'll hear directly from an expert on international sanctions and the diamond industry, exploring the potential economic fallout and the ethical considerations at stake. We'll also delve into the sustainability landscape of the diamond trade, asking if these pressures could push the industry further away from responsible practices. So before we invite today's guest, let's get some background. In this tense environment of the diamond industry, the G7 nations have imposed sanctions on Russian diamonds, aiming to cripple Russia's finances and exert pressure on its government. But understanding this decision requires delving into a complex web of motives, concerns and potential consequences. Let's take a look at the situation from the point of view of the West. Russia is a major player in the diamond industry and its exports generate significant revenue, obviously. By cutting off this source of income, the G7 aims to weaken Russia's ability to sustain its special military operation in Ukraine. The West wants to use the sanctions as a symbolic gesture of disapproval towards Russia's policies. To what degree this message has been successful is very much under debate. Nonetheless, the G7 claims that the sanctions are isolating Russia. However, Russia's warm relations, I must say, with the rest of the world paint quite a different picture. Now, the sanctions are being implemented in phases, starting with a ban on rough and polished diamonds uh, in January 2024. The restrictions are set to expand further, ultimately encompassing processed diamonds and diamond jewelry by September 2024. Well, the G7 recognizes the potential for circumvention through third-party processing. So they are addressing possible loopholes via phased implementation and focusing on processed diamonds. Now, implementing these sanctions poses, first of all, logistical challenges, especially regarding diamond traceability. And then, of course, there's the concerns about the potential impact on legitimate diamond businesses and African nations that are reliant on the diamond trade. Diamond industry giants like De Beers and Botswana's Okavango Diamond Company have expressed concerns about the potential for unintended consequences. They argue that sanctions could inflate the price of non-Russian diamonds, making them less competitive and negatively impacting African economies. These companies fear that consumers facing rising costs 
might opt for cheaper and potentially unethical sources, undermining years of progress in responsible diamond sourcing. As the sanctions begin to be implemented, the full impact on the diamond industry and broader geopolitical landscape remain unclear. While the G7 hopes to achieve their goals without affecting third parties, well, you know, as the saying goes, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, if their intentions can be described as good, that is. Now, we'll have the honor of speaking to Dr. Muhammad Abubakar Muhammad, Senior Advisor on Solid Minerals to the Governor of Kwara State of Nigeria, a true expert in his field, I must say, and an absolute professional when it comes to minerals. Let's welcome Dr. Muhammad. Dr. Mohammed, my brother, welcome to the Afroverdic podcast and thank you for joining me today. It's a true pleasure for me and for our audience at Afroverdic to have you join us. So let's start with a brief introduction so that our listeners can get to know you a bit more. Well, uh, once again, my name is uh, Dr. Mohammed Abubakar Mohammed. I am a researcher and uh, basically I was trained um, to be a geologist from my bachelor degree, master's to the PhD level. And I have over 15 years working experience got across in uh, mining sector, oil and gas, environmental and energy sector. I've also had the opportunity to work with the government um, as the advisor, a senior special assistant to the governor here in Nigeria. Currently, I am a researcher at one of prestigious universities here in Nigeria. Dr. Mohamed, thank you. I think uh, our listeners will be delighted to, that you have joined us today. So once again, thank you. As you know, uh, Okavango Diamond Company and De Beers requested the G7 to re-examine the potential side effects of the sanctions uh, imposed against the Russian diamond industry as the bloc prepares to impose the second phase thereof. In your opinion, what potential side effects could the African continent suffer from this ban? Well, thank you so much for this question. Um, before attempting to the question properly, let me quickly bring this up that um, since it's about diamonds and it has to do with my profession, with geology, uh, we mine we mine mineral resources and diamond is one of the mineral resources that we have. And diamond is the hardest minerals we have in entire in the in an entire universe the hardness of it is seven so diamond is not something that you can go to the market to just plug it's a very it's a it's a it's a commodity that you can't just see everywhere or anywhere diamond is a very difficult and a rare areas where you can actually um, mine it so if the commodity is that scarce and we have the market is well open. We have people, or we have um, uh, uh, people that need this commodity, and they are scattered around the world, just like the gold. Gold, a lot of people want gold, but not everybody produces gold. So when you have a client that has gold, usually there is always a bottleneck where the demand is higher than the supply. So because it's not a commodity that you can just see anywhere. So this question that with what is happening in Botswana with this company, the effects and what the African will suffer on this band is very huge. Let me tell you. Now, we don't want a situation where we'll now be restricted to A, that is only A that will come 
and have all that come and purchase from us. We should be able to have liberty to negotiate with others so that you'll be able to, on your own, you'll be able to negotiate and know how much you're letting this, com uh, this commodity go. So if you are not being restricted, some, you cannot talk to some people just because of the ban or just because of the sanction. You can only talk to this set of people. That means they're already tinted, tinted your mindset towards that direction which is a kind of game plan or is a kind of arrangement that favors them, not what favors you. I own the commodity and I have the liberty, I have the, the interest whatsoever that I want to deal with on my community or my commodity, I should be able to go. So the, the, the effects on this in Africa is that we will not have many friends as possible that we want to deal with, we want to trade with, and this is not good. We should have our freedom. That's, that's the word. We should have our freedom to work and also be part of what happened in this industry. Not that we sit at the back and then whatever they decide, that's what we follow. It's not done anyway. Yeah, definitely so. And as I can imagine, this will most likely have quite a negative impact on the diamond market in Africa. What do you think? Sure. Sure, sure, exactly. You see, when you have uh, when you have uh, um, multiple uh, uh, or conglomerate people that you can deal with, you have it's what's it's what works for you. For example, I can as well trade. Of course, some of these things are regulated. It's just like we have OPEC regulatory regulatory uh, crude oil, and some of these things are also regulated with international market. And when we're saying international market, we have multiple players in that in that in that field, like international. So now, when it's now been shrink to kind of ban some kind of sanction on some people, is is now being shrink. That means you are being constrained into what you might not want to do, what might not favor you. And that's what I'm saying. Globally and economically, it the 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 market should be open for all players to play and trade whatever they want to trade. All right, well, in December last year, the G7 nations announced a direct ban on Russian diamond imports as of January the 1st of this year, followed by a gradual restriction on indirect imports of Russian gems from around 1st of March. So that'll be like next month in two weeks. How would you estimate the use of sanctions in this modern context that we are living in? And could one say that these sanctions have become a new tool of neocolonialism? So now on the modern context, you're saying, could one say this sanction become a tool of neocolonialism? And I say, yeah, in my own context, I will have used geopolitics. Reason because this has to do with powerful nation, G7. When you say G7, you know, the nations that constitute the G7. Just because you're powerful or just because you have what it takes, you control, you are, you are dominant, doesn't mean that every other person doesn't have rights to voice out how they want their commodity or how they want to trade what they have in abundance. It's about, it's about, it's about their own interest. But in the international context, just like OPEC, we have countries that come together, countries that produce crude that forms OPEC. And they control whatever crude you're bringing from your nation or from your country. They give quarter to each of these countries. So the same in this um, sector of uh, solid minerals is being controlled by people that have the muscle, people that feel they can do it. So 
It's about the politics that that uh, that that that's favorism, interests. Anything politics is about interest. What's played a big interest to the West? They don't want you to have um, a direct direct advantage to other nations. So you know they want to say guide their own their own continents and then see the best of what they can bring from here. So that is how it is. We've seen a situation where you said, okay, let's do this in your country and we're not collecting money. We're taking that same commodity from you. Let's say, for instance, again, I want to mine um, diamond in your country and I'm not, if I mine for you, I'm not collecting money for my services. I'm collecting my, my, my interest in the same quantity of water mining, like in diamond. So more or less what they do, if I mine diamond, I'm still selling it back to the person that is mining for me. So there is no any, to me, there is no justification for them but, uh, making this sanction because indirectly this affects Africa a lot because you're creating bottleneck. Instead of the market wide enough to accommodate, now they are removing people with this sanction of a thing. Now, what do you expect? Instead of it to widen up, now it's closing up. They are creating what I call a bottleneck. And this, to me, is about politics. And that is why we say it's geopolitics. It's all about the politics of the region, what they want to dominate and how they want to be in control, total control. Well, you know, apart from Russia, many African countries such as uh, Congo, Mali, Zimbabwe are also experiencing sanctions from the West. In your opinion, how do sanctions affect the social and economic development of the African continent? And do you think there's, there are certain double standards in such an approach coming from Western countries? You see, all these sanctions has a negative impact. Let me tell you, oh, this country, Mali, Zimbabwe, uh, Congo, many other African countries who've been under, under um, dictatorship of some of these countries for a very long time. Like my country, we were ruled by the great British. Why sanctioning? When you know dominantly, many African countries depend on the West. We have the commodity within, beneath our beneath our ground, subsurface, we have it. But how to bring those commodities out? Let's partner, you have this equipment. We have the commodity in our land. Come bring this equipment, come and walk, and whatever, whatever you are able to bring out, from using this equipment, then let's share it. Let's have a ratio in sharing. So why going on sanction? So if you are sanctioning me because of diamond and you still want to partner with me, you still want to, you still want me to supply you food, you still want me to do this, then where is the friendship? That is the question. Where is the friendship? Where is the friendship? So if you we're gonna be friends, if you want to be brother's keeper, we should look at a way to 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 solve crisis in times of settling negotiation negotiation has not gotten to the point where we say it's bad then why the sanctioning if not because of the Asian agenda or what have time as a personal interest in this matter so sanctioning those countries as of today has a very huge economical impact social and economic impact on some of this country and uh, on some of this country and let me tell you the implication of it if today nigeria south africa morocco angola I'm sorry, uh, Algeria, Egypt are doing well. If Mali, Zimbabwe, the likes of Congo are not doing well, the burden still returns back to these other countries that are also struggling. Now, 
you are not only creating problem for these countries, you are creating problem for the entire African continent. Yes, exactly. And what solutions do you think are there? I mean, what steps could countries in the African region take to fight these unilateral sanctions? Over time, what the, what the West has done to Africa is to create a dichotomy, create disunity in Africa as a continent, as a whole. But the moment, the, now that the African and the continent has realized that the continent will not stand if they are not united, you know, they've identified this as a key, key indicator for the continent, Africa, to stand together. So if Africa really want to fight this kind of uh, sanctions, on, on electoral sanctions and the consequences, they need to stick together. They need to love each other first. Then after doing that, when you are united, the next thing you need to do, you need to choose your friends carefully. You need to know who you want to form allies with, with support. You know, when you are forming allies with somebody, when you are choosing a friend, that friend is not just to stay with you when things are good for you. When things are bad, he's always is there to assist. When things are good, he's also there to offer you advice on how the good things will continue to grow and grow. That advancement, not that. We are able to make friends with you today because things are good with you. The moment uh, things are bad or the moment something happens that has to do with internal politics or internal crisis, we turn our back at you. So the African, so the, 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 some of this problem has to do with firstly, African coming together. Then secondly, they choose their friends wisely. If they do that, then believe me, the continent will grow beyond imagination. You know, speaking of friends, Considering the recent expansion of the BRICS countries, what advantages over the G7 does the BRICS hold? And especially taking into consideration the fact that there are now three African countries within BRICS, what is your evaluation of their role in the BRICS group? We, we, I'm eager to see Nigeria joining the BRICS and then for, for it to start to grow in a way that it will um, have significant positive impact in Africa and other uh, uh, countries that are involved. And let me tell you, the advantage of this is just like coming together. I have this, you don't have, and I need it. Let's see what I have that you don't have, what you have that I don't have. Let's see how we're going to form it, how we, how this kind of work and see how we will identify our strengths and weaknesses, work on our strengths, work on our weaknesses, then we'll be able to help the smaller people that are still coming up that they are not at the same level where we are. So the impact of these countries coming up to the BRICS of uh, joining is that they have seen something that befits them, something that will be of great assistance to them, and that is why they are doing it. Nobody will question your integrity on that because you feel that is what's going to work for you and that will help your economic grow and advancement. No issue. Yeah, definitely. You know, this is where the whole destruction of the zero-sum theory comes in. Because a win-win is obviously way more profitable and beneficial than a win-lose situation. Dr. Mohamed, thank you for joining me. Um, your closing thoughts before we finish off for today. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, my passing words this evening will say Russia, Russian, Russian and Russian government should continue on the good thing they are doing. 
you can see the last year um, African-Russian summit. You can see the turnout of African leaders. I was I was in uh, uh, Russia myself. I was in uh, St. Petersburg for this uh, summit. And you can see what um, the vice president of Nigeria said, that Nigeria is already working out the modalities to join BRICS. So, uh, you know, Nigeria is giant of Africa. When Nigeria moves, every other country, every other country in Africa, we want to watch closely and they also take decision. Sooner or later, Nigeria will definitely lead and others will join. Um, and we've also appreciate the partnership Russia is having with, basically, let me talk of my country with Nigeria. They've been of great um, assistance in terms of a lot of partnership in agriculture, in uh, steel sector, Ajakuta Steel Company, we have a, a huge bilateral agreement with Russia and the Russian government. So kudos to Russia. To me, um, there is no limitation to the greatness of what Russia can actually do, and um, no any no any threat at all. We are always open to 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 work with the Russian and the Russian government. As we draw to a close on this episode, the picture around the G7's diamond sanctions remains complex, leaving listeners and readers with more questions than answers. We've explored the motivations behind the sanctions, their potential impact, and the concerns raised by industry players like De Beers and Okavango. Perhaps the most crucial takeaway is that there are no easy solutions. We can surely hope that this will serve as an eye-opener for the G7, where interests motivated by personal gain could have consequences for third parties. And apart from affecting economies, these decisions could negatively impact production and supply chains. Now, this is, of course, not just a story about diamonds. It's a story about how global conflicts intersect with complex industries, highlighting the interconnectedness of our world and the challenges we face in balancing political objectives with ethical and economic considerations. The future of the diamond industry clearly remains uncertain, but by engaging in informed discussions and supporting responsible practices, we can definitely strive for a future where the sparkle of a diamond reflects not just luxury, but a commitment to a more just and sustainable world. To backtrack on other episodes, check out Afro Verdict on other podcasting platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Deezer, Pocket Cast, Afropods, Castbox, and Podcast Addict. To stay on top of news on the continent and around the globe, make sure to follow Sputnik Africa on Telegram, TikTok, and other socials. That's that for today's episode. This is your host, Victor Anakin, signing off, and I'll see you everyone next time. Afro Verdict, brought to you by Sputnik Africa.